Hello, and welcome to Calamity, a podcast about natural and not-so-natural disasters. In each episode, we examine a catastrophic event from world history. We are your hosts, the Kuhlman Sisters. I'm Jema. I'm Jillian. And I'm Caitlin. And this week, our calamity is going to be the Mont Blanc Tunnel Fire. So this okay. disaster takes us back to 1999, and we're going to go to Europe. We're going to go to the Alps. Ooh, the Mont okay. Tunnel is a really long and really deep uh, like highway tunnel through the Alps, and it runs between France and Italy. Um, it was constructed between 1959 and 1965, and it's it's like a two-lane tunnel, so it's real narrow. There's just like one lane going each direction. Okay. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, and it's really popular, especially with um, like big... Uh, like semi trucks, transport trucks. It's like uh, really, I mean, trucks used to have to go all the way around the stupid Alps. I mean, the beautiful, <laughs> the beautiful Alps. I don't think they're that stupid, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then they put this hole through the mountain. And in fact, it goes right under Mont Blanc, which is the tallest mountain in Europe. Oh, wow. Wow. And uh, source. Did you say source- how long it was? How, how long? Not yet. Okay. It's, it's about seven miles long. How many? Seven miles. Seven. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it only takes about 15 minutes to get through it if you're going the normal rate of speed and there's not a fire inside. Uh, I see. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. It, I think when it was originally constructed, it was also the deepest tunnel in the world, like from the top of the mountain to how deep the tunnel is underground, if uh-huh. that makes sense. But now I think there's a deeper one in Germany. Um, in any case, it's really deep. And it's, it's really beautiful, too. If you're looking at images, um, obviously, inside the tunnel is just a tunnel. But outside the tunnel is the Alps. And it's really pretty. Stupid <laughs> <laughs> Alps. And they're so gorgeous. Uh, let's see. It is a main route for transportation... Um, like shipping of goods, especially from Italy north. Um, like a, a third of all of the goods that Italy ships to the north goes through this tunnel. Wow. So, um, yeah, so there's just, at, at any given time, I mean, people in passenger cars go through this tunnel too, but at any given time, I would say at least half the traffic is is big, um, big rigs. Hmm. I want to say lorries because I'm pretty sure the, <laughs> documentary I watched was British or had some British guys <laughs> we call them really uh, let's see um, seven miles long and it is a slightly inverted V um, apparently that ins- assists ventilation of the tunnel in some way so hmm. you oh, know you, you go in, you're going very slightly up and then you get to the middle and you're going very slightly down oh, I see mm-hmm so it's not exactly horizontal. I imagine that helps. Well, it's supposed to help with airflow. In any case, you know what that you know what that reminds me of. What the uh, crap? The Mary 
in Long Island, California, we boarded oh, a yeah. ship. The Queen Mary. Mary. The Queen Mary. That's right. And, and but it wasn't in Long Island, California. No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Know me and know what I mean. Long Long Beach, I think. Long Beach. Yeah. yeah. The Queen Mary uh listeners is this fabulous old ship. And yeah, when you're standing at one end of like a long hallway, it's like a cruise ship, but a really old one. And yeah, you kind of it dips down mm-hmm. and comes back up again. Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with tunnels, but that's how my brain works. So there you go. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. Caitlin just brings the crazy to the podcast. Yes, I do. Okay. So, like I said, it was constructed in the er, like the first half of the sixties. It opened in nineteen sixty-five. Uh, there are, I'm just going to talk a little bit about safety features, just so you know, going into this, what was, what was existing at the time. Um, they had put in surveillance cameras in 1978. So, um, and then those were upgraded, you know, as technology got better. Um, they were up- upgraded. So that the intention was that the folks on either end of the tunnel who kind of manned the what the operating stations on either end? Uh, they mm-hmm. had visual visuals at different parts of the tunnel, so they could kind of just see what was going on, making sure that traffic mm-hmm. was moving, etc. Because it's this long, narrow tunnel, and otherwise, you have no idea what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. So it had surveillance cameras, and. They also, in 1990, they put in some emergency shelters. So these were kind of like rooms off to the side. And I want to say there was one, there were a few every mile. Um, And the idea is that, yeah, if there is some kind of emergency, fire being probably the most common one, um, this is a safe place you could go, was into one of these rooms. And so they were kind of It's common to have fires in tunnels? I, you know, more than I thought, because Hmm. prior to this disaster, which is really major, um, they had had like 17 or 18 prior tunnel, tunnel, uh, not tunnel fires. I would say they're um, truck fires. So this is apparently something that big rig trucks just do sometimes is catch on fire. Um, In tunnels or just as often? I think not. I think all the time, just whenever. I have seen a truck on fire once. Uh, we were on vacation. We were kids going to Portland, I think. And we were stuck in a long line of traffic because there was a semi on fire. Oh, yeah. It w- was not in a tunnel. Thank goodness. Near a bridge? Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I remember that. We too. have a picture of it somewhere. Oh, yeah. maybe I remember the picture. <laughs> Possible. And let's see. So, so, so this happens that trucks just catch on fire. Yes, it, it does. And, um, but previously, like the drivers have safety training in general, and they also always carry a fire extinguisher. So, like the previous 17, 18 fires, the driver had just gotten out of the truck and put out the fire himself, himself mm-hmm. or herself. Um, which, as I'll get into the story, the 
attempted to do that this time, but it, it went awry okay. for a few reasons. Uh, it also, they did have a sprinkler system, though that never ended up working. Um, hmm. So I don't know if you can count that as a sprinkler system. They had, <laughs> in 1997, they had added a fire detection system. And this was basically, um, it was supposed to detect uh, visibility changes. Uh, so if, and I don't know exactly what kind of sensor it used, but, uh, and, and there were different sensors all along the, the ceiling of the tunnel. Um, so that if you, if, if visibility ever got to like 30% less than normal, then it would set off an mm -hmm. alarm at one end or the other, mm -hmm. I think. So the, the tunnel is between France and Italy, and the French half was run by France, and the Italian half was run by Italy. Oh, dear. Um, hmm. This this ends up be, being a significant problem when this fire happens right in the middle. Oh, Wait, two countries aren't talking to each other? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Unimaginable. Yeah. Shocking. Okay. So... No, I have a cat on my notes again. This is going to be, this is an ongoing uh, podcast problem. Sorry, Phoebe. Okay. March 24th, 1999. I was like 11. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember this. Um, it was in the morning. There's a, a truck going through. It's a Belgian transport truck, and the driver's name is Jobert de Graves. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. It looks like Gilbert de Grave, but I'm pretty sure in the documentary <laughs> they pronounced it Jobert de Graves or something. <laughs> anyway, Gilbert, old Gil, um, he's driving through, and... The, his truck, it's not really clear exactly when it caught on fire, but he's not very far into the tunnel. Um, oh, and he's going from France to Italy. That's the direction he's going. Okay. Uh, and it's not really clear exactly when the fire starts, but he's not very far into the tunnel when um, there's some white smoke that can be seen coming from kind of behind the cab, the behind and under the cab of the truck. Mm -hmm. hmm. And um, he doesn't notice it right away. And, and in fact, though you can see it on the video surveillance, when you're like looking back later, nobody noticed it. It wasn't that, it wasn't enough that somebody was like alarmed who was watching from afar from the videos. Uh, you, you wouldn't see it unless you knew you were looking for it at first. Okay. But then um, it does start to get worse and cars that are coming towards Gill, uh, they are, they start to like try to get his attention, like flashing their lights mm -hmm. at him and stuff. And so he can mm -hmm. start to see, he starts to notice that there's this smoke kind of in his rearview mirror. He can't exactly tell where it's coming from. Uh, it's alarming and it's a problem, but again, I think, this, these kinds of things sometimes happen. So he, you can't just pull over because again, it's just a two lane road. So he puts his hazards on and 
he gets out of the rig with his uh, fire extinguisher and he goes to where the smoke is coming from and he's like about to spray it and it it explodes into flame it like bursts into flame (laughs) and they think um they've done some experiments with it they think that actually him driving him continuing to drive because of the airflow the Mm -hmm. that actually kept the fire smaller and then once Mm -hmm. he stopped there was more oxygen available for that fire and it burst into flame Wow. And that that part that was on fire, that part of the truck sits right, it's got the two big diesel tanks right right beneath it. Oh, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. part of what exploded. But also, this particular truck, while not in any way labeled dangerous, uh, it happened to be full of margarine and flour. And again, with experiments they did later, the amount of margarine that he was carrying if you like liquidize it and catch it all on fire, it's basically the equivalent of an oil tanker's worth of fuel. Really? Margarine is just oil. It's just oil once you Oh yeah. Once you melt it down. And that's how you transport it? You just put it in a big tanker? No, no, no. With, it was in flower it was in boxes. It was in a refrigerated oh. truck. Oh, and they're all packaged up. Yes. Little squares of margarine. Yes, it was headed for a food factory in Milan okay okay and then and then like bags of flour yes okay i was picturing like you know like the milk trucks that they drive yeah. around that are these big sort of tanker things okay well so and that's what i'm not... trying to say it's like the that amount of oil once it's like melted and liquidized it's as if it was a tanker full of margarine okay or or okay. some other fuel i was picturing it already a tanker of margarine no. <laughs> but okay i can know <laughs> that'd be kind okay. of a gross way to yeah yeah margarine is quite pretty gross anyway it, James, I'm never eating margarine again. (laughs) I don't think I will either after this. Um, Okay. So it has caught fire and the fire spreads and becomes bad pretty quick. So the driver, Gil, he runs away. Um, And I don't mean to make him sound um bad he had to get away from the fire he would be dead if he hadn't run away yeah he ran away from the fire like anyone would run away from Mm -hmm. the fire and he didn't have a safe place to go because his truck especially if it just exploded in your face yes and he takes off running towards italy so he was stopped blocking the progress towards italy so the people who were lined up behind Mm -hmm. him were also coming from france to italy but they mm-hmm. they couldn't get around him, um, mm-hmm. so they were kind of stuck where they were in this big line. And just because of the nature of being in a single file line and a tunnel being long and narrow, you know, if you were a couple cars back, you couldn't see what was happening up ahead. I mean, yeah. Eventually, the tunnel filled with smoke and fire, and then yeah, you yeah. Could, but mm-hmm. but just initially, you people were just kind of waiting in line, like I don't know what's wrong. Um. I guess I'll just wait here, wait for further instructions. In fact, even after the thing, the area started to kind of fill up with smoke, um, people still didn't leave their cars. Uh, I don't know that it would have done them any good anyway, because the smoke, um, it was really, really black. 
And in fact, it was so black that the it completely blocked the surveillance cameras. So oh. the folks, the folks, and there there were like emergency response teams on either end, but they didn't really know. So, I mean, something was clearly wrong, but they didn't really know what it was. They couldn't. All of the cameras were blocked by this opaque black smoke. They couldn't assess the severity of it, so they weren't really sure. Right. Right. So they did start to send teams in, um, like fire teams. Um, but how? On from foot? From one end. No, they, they drove in as far as they could. So they had little fire trucks stationed there, and they drove into the from, from either end. I was just assuming. So they had fire trucks there because this happens once a year or something. Or something like that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, so, I was assuming that, the, that there was a gridlock in both directions. So only in one, only in one direction. Okay. Um, the other, so folks coming the other way as they approached the burning truck, they had time to turn around and get out of there. Mm, okay. Um, now, not everyone could do that because you could do that if you were in a car, but you can't turn mm -hmm. a big truck around in a two-lane tunnel. Mm -hmm. um, but any all the drivers who could get out did turn around and drive back out, or they actually like backed out of the tunnel. Wow. So okay. most of the casualties happened on the the other side. The mm -hmm. people who are lined up behind Gil and his truck. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, uh, <laughs> a lot of things didn't go quite right. Um, for example, on the Italian side, um, they did not have they had they had had a false alarm with a smoke detector the day before. Oh no! So they had turned their smoke detectors off. Oh, no. oh my goodness. Like they were going to eventually look into this false alarm or whatever, but they hadn't gotten around to it yet. So they were not initially alerted that there was a problem. It was the French side that knew um, their, their uh, equipment was on. Um, but then also the French and the Italian teams, their emergency response teams used different radio frequencies course they did so they couldn't hear each other mm -hmm. talk, talking um the italian side only found out that there was a problem when one of the people who was in the tunnel they had like some emergency phones along oh, the side yeah i've seen those yeah mm -hmm. and so somebody got out and and picked up an emergency phone and it it patched them through to the italian side and so that's how they all got on the same page Hmm. finally so they sent their fire folks in um but they are very quickly um unable to rescue anyone because the smoke that's in the tunnel and just the way that i think fire works like it was it was eating up all the oxygen and mm -hmm. um a car yeah engine yeah, needs oxygen fine. to run its its combustion so um the air was full of mm. carbon dioxide and 
um, cyanide was the other thing that was in that smoke. Hmm. And um, so anyway, the cars, the fire trucks, like as they get closer to the disaster, their engines start like choking and stopping. They can't. They can't go anywhere. They need oxygen for their engines. And they can't even get out now because their truck won't start. So there is, uh, there are two fire teams that this happens to, and they end up having to run to one of the, um, one of the refuge shelters. They're these pressurized emergency shelters and their doors are fire doors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but they're rated to last to outlast a two hour fire I never really thought about that hmm. when it comes to fire doors but I mean nothing is really impervious to fire forever so yeah. a fire door is meant to last long enough to like get people to safety but it's not like it's impervious to fire forever Yeah. so um, those big doors were not expected to last more than two hours in the fire um i have a question yeah yeah go for it um 1999 they would have had uh the full face mask um breathing apparatus available to the the firefighters available to them right yes yep okay yes and so they are wearing their gear um, however, the other reason that they have to run to the shelter is because it's the heat. It's just insanely hot in there. The fire mm. ends up burning almost 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Like That's how hot it gets. And it has to do with the f- fuel, I think, and, and maybe also the airflow. Oh, that's another thing that happens that ends up kind of being a negative thing. The um, Well, it might be a wash. The operator on the italian side can see in some of the some of the video cameras on his side that people in cars are trying to like turn around and get out of there Mm because that's the side where they can still turn and and get out if they can fit and but he can also see that like their engines are choking and they're having trouble getting their cars to start Mm -hmm. and so he he runs uh he uses they have a these incredibly intricate ventilation systems and so he runs fresh air he pumps fresh air through the tunnel that direction yeah Um, i can see how that's a wash yeah i mean it ends up i think it probably helps a few people get out but it also makes the fire so much worse because it was almost you know it it was burning its way out of oxygen and now it's all this fresh oxygen oh yeah okay The people in the cars at this point, and we are, we're like 10 minutes into this disaster. It only lasts 15 Mm. minutes. Well, no, the fire, the fire burns for like 53 hours or something, but the, uh, but the, you know, everyone is as far as the initial casualties. Wouldn't they, wouldn't they have shut the air off eventually and just like tried to choke it? And it still would burn for 50-some hours? I don't think they could shut the air off entirely. Hmm. Um, well, I mean, if they have this super inc- intricate... I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I guess I mean because it's an open tunnel. There's I don't have blueprints be... in front of me, but I would <laughs> just think that... 
yeah, also, be some way to like reduce the the oxygen flow or it would like run out of oxygen so jama thinks if we've got people trapped in a tunnel we should cut off their air supply well <laughs> not immediately but after 55 hours i think at some point you're going to be like well let's yeah do some i mean i don't know i think I the know. only way to do that jama though is if there was an uh, you know an airtight door door to seal each entrance and and i don't think that most tunnels have that But you could, it's not too late. You could go to engineering school. You could turn around <laughs> the tunnel industry. Too much safety. I would think by now they've solved this. Now that we've had this disaster, they've, they've, I don't have to go to school. Someone's figured it out. Yeah. I'll go into the changes and improvements that the, mm. the aftermath, as it were. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at this point, um, the, the smoke is moving uh, uh, down the tunnel in accordance with the airflow. Um, and so everyone lined up behind the burning truck is, I mean, they're, they're, they can't breathe. And even if they could breathe, it would be hot and they would die. So uh, all those cars, I think there were. How many of these fire shelters are there though? And how many do they hold? Could these people have gotten into the fire shelters, the little behind these doors yes if if they there was one in view and they i mean i guess and they acted gonna... really fast certainly not the people in the first few cars because honestly i mean the smoke had cyanide in it like um, they weren't yeah. if they had i mean they were so some people did die in their cars um which you know they found out later as they're investigating um but then other people there were a few who had clearly were trying to like run away but they didn't make it very far either so mm -hmm. and i think um i mean they eventually all, everything burned because it got so hot and it burned for 53 hours but initially yeah. pretty much we think everyone probably died because they couldn't breathe mm -hmm. um so but let me talk about the firefighters so there were there was the two teams of firefighters about 15 guys and they ran into a fire shelter and the, the first thing side? that they yes okay it's shelter number 24 if you want to look on your schematic <laughs> <laughs> on your tunnel blueprints um so they they pop in there and the first thing they notice is that it's there is black smoke coming in through the ceiling vents that's supposed to be piping in fresh air oh no Jeez. and it's not it's not as thick and bad as what is out in the tunnel i mean they end up yeah they have the breathing apparatus although oh, yeah. they don't have they don't have that many hours of fresh air mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it takes like i said the the fire doors are supposed to last for two hours um, and I think it took five hours to get these guys out. Because so another fire crew eventually went in. There's a there is apparently a ventilation shaft that you can walk through, hmm. um, and it's down below the surface of the road. It's not where I would hmm. assume there would be one, but that's where it was. And so I would always picture a ventilation shaft being above your head. But. Yeah, I know. In this case, it's down below the road. And okay. so they had to, they, so they, they were able to send another team of firefighters in there 
and it took them a while to figure out how to get from the ventilation shaft to find the correct room where these guys were stuck. Uh, Cause it wasn't very well, like it wasn't intended for rescue. It was intended for mm. ventilation and maintenance. So um, that's why it was big enough to walk in was cause it yeah. was for maintenance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, well, why'd they make it that big then? But okay. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, they did eventually, they were able to get through, uh, open the doors that needed to be opened. I'm sure like there always is in a fire. Some of the doors are locked and you know, the one maintenance guy has the key and it's his vacation mm-hmm. day or whatever. I'm making he's got that a key ring with 50 keys yeah. on it. <laughs> I'm making that part up, but I'm sure it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, they do eventually get in there and they, they get all of those, those 15 guys out. Yeah. Uh, all of them, but one. No. Yeah. All of them, but one are in, are in very serious condition from breathing in the fumes. They all have to go like straight to the ER. Uh-huh. Um, and, and all, they all get better except for one the captain doesn't make it huh okay too much too much smoke for those and and cyanide yes too much really nasty toxic smoke yes exactly because they were seriously like they were running in to save lives and then their truck wouldn't work anymore and they had to run to safety and safety wasn't safe like all of that happened in their lives in like five minutes like wow. that's, I just imagining this reversal of fortune. You're like, all right, let's go in and get these guys, and then you're like, okay, now we need to be saved. But uh, well, and I, I'm just so thankful to hear that dang door lasted so long. The odds yes. were definitely against them. Yes, you know there was a fire in my dorm in college, and those fire doors actually. I mean, we saw after it protected our the wings of the building that where the our bedrooms were where our dorm rooms were because the fire started in kind of the middle um um like uh, the common room the common yeah the common room and, and these were in our our rooms were off, wing in wings off the common room and um you know in a, in college you frequently see those like propped open definitely with thick phone books or whatever so people can come and go um, thankfully they were all closed, um, and shut for the night. And those door, I mean, I mean, the fire alarms went off. Um, I don't know that the sprinklers, maybe it didn't have sprinklers in that part of the, anyway, but we saw the, the doors later. I'm not sure quite how long that fire burned, but it was amazing. I mean, it, the flames were three stories high. Um, wow. it was only a two story building, but, but those doors, um, you know, they were warped and black, um, but the paint was on the, you know, the, the inside where uh, that faced our hallway uh-huh. was, you know, the, the paint was kind of peeling and blistered. But um, but those doors, I mean, I don't know how long these particular ones were, you know, rated, rated yeah. to last. I didn't but, even know there um, were ratings until today, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know either. I thought they're all just one one kind of standard. But now I kind of but... want to know. I think that should be stamped on there somewhere. Like how many hours do I have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I think um, you know I can't say for sure the doors saved our lives, but they definitely gave us time to get out of there, and they definitely saved all of our you know all of our stuff. Yeah, um, because we were we were able to you know not immediately, but a few days later, go back in, and we had to move. But yeah, yeah, those doors are yes. So lesson number one for our listeners today. 
fire doors. Keep them closed. Yeah. Yeah. Keep don't them prop, them don't prop them open. That, <laughs> is, that is a bad idea. And in fact, and find out how what the rating is. On. Yeah, exactly. How long is it supposed to last for? Next time you're at work or in an office building or something, just keep an eye out for those and yeah, know where they are and where your exits are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see. They took refuge. And do. But there's still people trapped in their cars, right? I mean, there's still people. Trapped is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. At this point, they dead. are dead. They're dead. Yeah. I see. I see. I have a question, Jillian. Um, it, I know that you're trying to find your notes, but I, I'm going to bother. So I'm envisioning the truck in the tunnel and, you know, kind of going back towards France from there, you've got death. And, uh, you know, back further, you've got people who are trying to run but kind of can't. Um, if you go further and further back towards the opening of the tunnel, are those people, are, are there some people who were able to exit their vehicles and run because they were far enough away? Um, or at that point, because they were so far away, did they still just kind of sit there because they couldn't see? I mean, I'm just kind of curious to know, like, how many people really did exit their vehicles and not a specific number, obviously, but just kind of a ballpark of, so I can envision that a little bit better. Okay. Well, I can give you a specific number. There were exactly 10 people who exited their car. Um, that is so many cute. That's way less than I thought. <laughs> yeah. 10 died trying to escape on foot and 27 died in their vehicles. Wow. But also, um, they did close the uh, entrance on both sides once so like maybe five or seven minutes in or something once they kind of realized something big was wrong they didn't let anyone else go in so that did keep it mm-hmm. to a minimum there wasn't this con- constant pressure of more people trying to get through it was you know they closed it completely both directions so that they could get the fire guys in there yep. and, and stuff um, so Caitlin, Wikipedia says that of the initial 50 people that were trapped by the mm-hmm. fire, 12 of those survived. Okay. I don't know exactly if they're talking. I don't know that that includes the firefighters, but it can't um, because there were. Or people who were managed to like just they were like, a, you know, an inch into the yeah. tunnel and turned around. I don't know if it includes those, but of but only 12 were able to really escape the fire. I think that that okay. includes people who were able to turn their cars around and get out. Um, oh wow okay the other thing is by like after not that long the smoke went all the way to the end of the tunnel and was pouring out Mm -hmm. on the the france side Mm -hmm. Um, that and again not not on the italian side because that's the way the air was blowing that day but um the so at that point i mean nobody should be in there breathing any of that without massive safety gear so Mm -hmm. um I feel like dying in a fire is terrible and not being able to breathe is terrible, but I'd rather pass out before I caught on fire. Yeah. Same. Me too. I think so. Mm-hmm. so. And I'm sure but then I don't want, I don't want the, not good. But. I don't want the heat to wake me up, though. Oh, I don't think it would in this case. Okay. No, me neither. Um, the firefighters who were in, who were stuck in that, or not stuck but yeah sort of stuck in the refuge they talked afterwards about how as they were like huddled in there they could hear um the 
the road they could hear like fire like rushing by kind of the way like mm. a, kind of like a train and then there were all these explosions as as it went by another car and another car and another car because each tire would explode and each gas tank would explode and wow. so you weren't just like in there with this like constant fire sound which is kind of like a roaring scary sound anyway but there were all these explosions and it was sort of as it moved down the line it was like kind of getting closer to where they were I mean, they they ended up being fine, but that would have been just awful to listen to. And it kept mm-hmm. happening. I mean, even after, like, for the most part, they were safe and just waiting for rescue. Um, you know, the fire was still burning the whole time they were in there. So that that was kind of continuing to happen. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they were, they got out via ventilation shafts and do, do, do. Fire burned for 53 hours. It reached 1,000 degrees Celsius, and oh, it, oh which is 1,800 Fahrenheit. Um, if you think about just just to as comparison, like if you're making some garlic bread and you've got your oven all the way on high, that's like 500 degrees. So this was 830 degrees. Jeez. Which they think is mainly because of the margarine. Um, I mean, I guess gas burns pretty warm, pretty hot too, but margarine has, it's just really hot, I guess. I'm Mm -hmm. never eating it again. Well, it sounds like (laughs) other vehicles also maybe had some combustible loads as well. I mean, other things, burnable. Yeah. You know, I didn't. It doesn't really say here, but. Yeah. And I don't remember learning anything about that in in the sources but certainly there were a whole variety of other things in the in the other trailers that were trapped in there so well and all the other gas tanks and tires and everything else that you said uh wikipedia says i mean maybe we're gonna say this but um it took more than five days before the tunnel cooled sufficiently to start repairs right holy cow yeah they they, couldn't even send people in to clean up yeah for five days and all of the people who died were all reduced to just bones and ash. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't anything. When it burns that hot, there's not going to be anything mm-hmm. left of them. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you know, if you're going to be cremated, that's <laughs> kind of what happens. Exactly. Okay. It's just a little less controlled. Let me, let's talk about the aftermath. And some changes mm-hmm. that were made. Um, here are some renovations that they put in. And I would like to think that other tunnel managers around the globe paid mm-hmm. attention to this story yep. and made some of these changes as well. Though I don't hope so. know that for sure. But um, let's learn from each other's mistakes. So uh, they put in better computerized fire detection equipment. Um, really, I mean, this... Um, let's see, happened in 99 and they didn't reopen this tunnel for three years. Oh, wow. I think it reopened in 2003. So, um, like three and a half years or something. So, but by that time they did have better computers and things around that time. So they were, so everyone had to go around the stupid Alps that time. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Oh, but they were so annoyed. Um, they added extra security bays, um, a parallel escape shaft. That's what you need is an escape shaft. I mean, it also is the way that they built it. It's supposed to always have fresh air. 
mm-hmm. and like only fresh air. <laughs> so, oh, and then they, they put like um, really clearly marked stairwells so that you could go, if you were running in an emergency, you could mm-hmm. see a stair, stairs that was marked, here's your escape shaft, go this way. Mm-hmm. And you could easily go down and get into that shaft. All the doors would be unlocked. Nice. Um, Is it still really narrow or did they widen it at all? They didn't widen the whole thing. It's still just a two-lane um, road, highway. But they did widen it wherever they were putting in a new security bay, safety bay. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. the right in the middle, sort of where the fire initially was, they hollowed out a big space there and they put a fire station that's manned Hmm. uh, and has like fire trucks parked at it, like ready to go. Wow. Um, So that is there. Uh, And also they equipped all of the fire trucks with heat seeking technology because as they were driving through the smoke, it was, it was opaque. It was black. They could not see where they were going. And even once they like got out, the firefighters, once they got out to like try and find the refuge, they had to like, they had their hands along the wall, like just like wow. running and trying to waiting to like come upon a door. I mean, they knew it was wow. there, but, but you could see, they said you could see two feet in front of you was as far as you yeah. could see. So, hmm. uh, so yeah, they've got these heat seeking technology. It, it basically, it looks like night vision. Mm. but it's not night vision it's mm-hmm. it, it looks for things that are hot and gives you like a a view of what you're driving through so that's kind of cool okay. mm-hmm. um they added more clean air vents oh there's also video contact now between each safety bay like each refuge um has a constant video stream between whatever's happening in the bay and whatever's happening in the control booth okay. so they can see each other because that was another big thing they, there wasn't an easy way to communicate what was going on and they couldn't see, they didn't have eyes on the people who were stuck in that refuge. Does that make sense? I was, yeah, mm-hmm. I was yeah. assuming they had a radio contact through that whole time though. Um, was radio working through the... the, the I, it... <clears throat> I believe it was, it, it was at least intermittently functioning, mm-hmm. yes. Um, did they did they fix the um, the fire alarm that wasn't working or the fire yes. uh, smoke detector? <laughs> yes, they put in new fire detectors and alarms. Get yes. some some new batteries in those. Yeah, <laughs> good. Good. The other and thing they do is system. oh yeah, there is a sprinkler system. Although that never that never turned on. They had one in there before, but mm. in nothing that I read did there ever did it ever turn on. So who knows what that was all about. The other thing they do now is every truck that goes into the tunnel, first it goes through this inspection point and it's this super high tech. It's kind of looks like a little um, like technological tunnel in and of itself. You drive your hmm. truck through there and it assesses any hot spots or anything hmm. nice. weird about your truck so it can be addressed before you even get in there so every big rig has to go through that little they have like a pull-off where they go they go through that instead of going straight into the tunnel so that's smart oh and then france and italy they did have to kind of get together and decide (laughs) to make a 
a single company or organization that works a joint team a joint team that works together on the same frequency and with all the same equipment um and what a all of that so i know that's rough i <laughs> probably have to learn each other's languages so there were some lawsuits i was kind of surprised to find out because when i read this story i'm like well this is just a terrible tragedy but i think because of all the things like little things that went wrong little bad decisions people did end up getting tried so um for example the the driver um was tried for manslaughter um let's see there were 16 people and companies that were charged with manslaughter wow so like the head of the security team i think on each side maybe um kind of like they're the boss so they got blamed for it whether they right. were there or not um yeah and they tried to sue the company that built the engine in the truck the truck oh. was made by volvo they tried to sue volvo uh, although mm-hmm. I think that one got thrown out. Um, the organizations that owned the tunnel, the people who built it. I mean, I don't know. It was a long list of yeah. like companies and people. Um, the driver, yeah, he he was found guilty. I don't know. I mean, I guess it was his fault. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, seems a little little harsh. But, but he did. It was just it. The only nobody really had to go to jail. Maybe maybe someone did, but it was just suspended sentences. So he got four months suspended sentence. And a yeah, fine. but his life was probably still ruined. I don't know. You know, he's he's from Belgium, so he's got that going for him. Well, that's and, that's pretty nice. And he's been. <laughs> I love Belgium. I do too. He'd been so driving truck for, for like 20 years. So he knew what he was doing. He wasn't yeah. Like yeah. brand new or anything. He'd done that same route many times before. You know, they did try to figure out what it was and that started the fire. And the, the idea that you hear is that maybe someone flicked a cigarette like a, that wasn't quite oh. out yet. Mm-hmm. As they were maybe like passing the other truck and it got in because flicking a cigarette into a road doesn't automatically catch fire. Right. But yeah. They think that it must have gotten in. It must have fallen into the exhaust of the truck that caught on fire, which that just mm. seems insane to me. But that's yeah, like that is what you'll see. People um, at various different sources were like, well, yeah, that's the best guess is that maybe someone flicked a cigarette into the exhaust. What break. about all of these? 16 17 other times the in the previous 30 some years yeah. of truck fires in that tunnel where <laughs> how did those start yeah i don't know it couldn't have all been cigarettes being flicked in just the right spot and just the right time i assume some of it could be like electrical fire maybe or or i know, I know a lot of it is that spark from like metal against metal sometimes could, could be a spark i'm I don't guessing know. I'm guessing that most of the other five, this is totally unbased, not based on anything, but um, the other ones probably were caught sooner because the driver could see them. So they're probably in front of them um, in the engine area. And this started behind the driver. So, yeah. Maybe. 
I mean, most of the time, it's a different kind of fire entirely. I know all about it. Let me, let me tell you, I'm an expert. (laughs) (laughs) I would just think in a big rig, like your visibility can't be all that great. Yeah. No matter where you're, where a fire starts. I don't know. On the other hand, they're professional drivers. They should know how to use their mirrors and yeah and the tunnel's yeah. lit i mean it's very bright brightly lit although once it all caught fire the wiring burned and all the lights went out sure um within the first few minutes so that wasn't that helpful but mm-hmm. there is this so kind the- of apocryphal story about a particular italian security guard named pier lucio tenaze who like the story goes he jumped on his he put on his breathing gear jumped on his BMW motorcycle and went in and dragged people to safety um, and then died doing it. His motorcycle Mm. was apparently found melted to the floor. Um, But then it sounds like that's one of those stories like, um, you know, it's like the Cassie Bernal story after Columbine. Like it's a nice story, but then once you really dig down, that didn't really happen that way. Probably didn't. So he was a real person, but he may not have been the one rescuing people. It could have been a different guy entirely who was then confused Mm -hmm. for him because once they Mm -hmm. were all dead, they, you know, you could get people confused. But sure. In any case, there's a little, uh, apparently there's still a little um, like memorial thing. I mean, there's a memorial to everyone who died up there, but Mm -hmm. he's got apparently his own little plaque or something, even though Mm -hmm. I think it's been mostly... Um, mostly determined that it probably didn't happen quite quite like that. But it's a nice story of someone jumping on their BMW and pulling people to safety <laughs> until they succumb to the heat. Okay. It seems like the, the moral is stay out of tunnels. <laughs> Somebody's got to fix those trucks. Yeah. We've got on fire all over. A number of problems here. Just uh, take the long way and drive all the way around the stupid Alps. And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's probably a beautiful drive around the Alps. Do you imagine how many hours that must add? I know. I think I read somewhere it's like a seven-hour drive around the Alps, oh. and it's like fifteen minutes through the tunnel. Oh wow! Wow, I believe it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you you also have the tunnel is way up high, so you do have to like you've got your switchbacks heading up the mountain. And oh everything. yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I, you know what, I think that's another reason people say sometimes the trucks catch on fire is because they're overheating from going up the hill to get up to where the. But it's not a problem anymore because they go through that special thing. Yeah, make sure they're not too hot. What resources did you use to find all the details? Sure, the main one. There are two documentaries about this that were made. I only watched one of them though. And it's um, called Seconds from Disaster, Tunnel Inferno. And that's Seconds from Disaster is one of those National Geographic TV programs. We've used that as a source before. They make really great um, little disaster documentaries. So it's about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, That's where I got most of that. Plus just looking over the Wikipedia article. And then um, I went ahead. I, I always like to look at the pictures so especially in the aftermath, they, they had some, some photographers go in and kind of take a picture of the burnt out, like wreckage. I mean, it, it burns so oh, wow. hot that there's like barely like a, the frame of, 
of a truck, you know, maybe. If you think about it too, like a big old refrigeration truck, you wouldn't expect that to be burned down to almost nothing, but it, they were. It burned so mm. hot. Wow. Mm. So just that whole line of, of cars that were, there was just almost nothing left of them. So that was, it was interesting. Yes. Stay out of tunnels. <laughs> stay out of big rig trucks. Um, well, we should probably say thank you to the big rig drivers who bring, our, delivering who our, bring margarine. our margarine <laughs> through giant us. mountain passes at, yeah. at great risk to their own lives. For sure. That's what I know. There you have it. The Mont Blanc Tunnel Fire. Mont Blanc, <clears throat> such a pretty name. Um, well, thank you very much for sharing it. It's definitely one I had never heard of before, but it's really interesting, just the, the two countries factor. And um, I mean, it's just like so many of our disasters. It's like, it's not just one thing that went wrong, but a whole bunch of things. But the, the thing I like so much about this one, there's so many th takeaways that they said, okay, going forward, we have new policy, new procedure, we're fixing all these things. And it can be an example to all the other nations or, you know, other tunnels in the same country make sure that nobody else yes. hurt. So um, you sure hope so. You sure hope so. Sometimes yeah. I feel cynical and I'm like, well, you know, they're not going to spend the money to upgrade it unless they have to. You know, if it's owned by a corporation, but if it's owned by like a, you know, a country or a state or city mm -hmm. or something, then I would think they would maybe take better care of their infrastructure. But yep, I don't know. Well, I wanted okay. to um, wanted to ask Jillian uh, next week, uh, if I remember correctly, you had mentioned you have something special planned because you have a recommendation from a listener. Is that right? That's right. That's right. Um, friend of the podcast john byers has submitted a an idea and it's a really good one it's okay. a pretty major disaster here in the states but one that hardly anyone has probably heard of so okay um well I i'm learning take, all about that i want to take the opportunity just to remind our, our listeners if you have a good disaster you want to submit uh let us know we'd love to hear from you guys about it um but with that, until next time, we hope everybody stays safe. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we go, we want to leave you with a few ways to keep in touch. First of all, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and rate it. And tell your friends so that other people can discover our content. But if you want to give more feedback or send us topics, suggestions, here's how you can keep in touch. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at calamitypodcast at yahoo.com. You can visit our website at calamitypodcast.com. And you can support this awesome project on Patreon. We hope to hear from you soon.